And welcome to the CEO Raider podcast. That's your lovable host, John Mayetta. We really do need to get some bumper music on the podcast. I tell you what, if you are an aspiring musician or if you are currently a musician and you want to have your music played on the podcast, I would love to hear from you. So you could find me on Twitter at Jonathan Mayetta, J O N A T H A N M A I E T T A, or you could send me an email, jmayetta at ceoraider.com. I'd love to hear some of your stuff. So sort of what I'm looking for is something with, with energy. I'm sort of liking some of the, the instrumental stuff I'm hearing in the electronic slash house slash dance. Not top 40 dance, but something with a cool beat, some bass, something with some energy. Something I could play off of at the beginning of the podcast. You get the picture. But send me your stuff. I'd love to hear it. So today on the podcast, I wanted to touch on a couple of things. So one I may have mentioned before, we're trying to figure out how to work cyber breach data into the platform. There's got to be a couple of dozen databases out there, public databases. One way to do it would be to aggregate data from multiple databases into our platform. And so if you look up company XYZ in the CEO rated platform, you know, we could flag it and then we could have details about the event and the flag. Hey, company XYZ had a a breach on 8-17-2017, potentially X number of customers impacted, so on and so forth. I think what would be really neat would be if we could figure out a way to... um, to have a predictive risk score around the likelihood of a company suffering a breach. And so that would be a function of industry. You know, the healthcare industry is the one that's uh, most at risk. uh, There's very little in the way of of cyber platforms, cyber tools being having been deployed in the in the healthcare industry and they tend to always be behind the curve from a technology standpoint so industry would have something to do with it and then obviously whether or not you're you as a company have have deployed a solution a cybersecurity solution would would have some play into the risk score and so for that we would need some self-reporting and so we need the companies themselves to actively participate on our platform and report whether or not they're they have deployed a solution or multiple solutions and where we're going with this is we're going to create a risk score for institutional investors and for insurance companies. And I guess it's secondarily or you know a tertiary use case could be from prospective employees. So if you're you know in the market as an employee, you know today you would look at our platform to see what employees and investors say about a particular CEO. Presumably that would be of interest to you as a as a an employee who may be looking for a new opportunity. And and secondarily as part of that broader commentary, what is sort of the track record, if you will, with regard to a particular CEO's performance around cybersecurity? Have they suffered a breach? And just so you know, if you're a CEO out there, just assume you're being pinged, that your database, databases, customer records are being pinged by nefarious actors in, in perpetuity, and that it's only a matter of time before they get through whatever firewalls and, and cybersecurity solutions you've deployed. And then it's a function of to what extent data does get exposed. And so hopefully you're not like Equifax. Hopefully you've, you've scattered your customer records and data in, in multiple places and that you don't have everything sitting neatly in rows in a, in a single database so that should that database be breached, you know, it's all there for the taking. So maybe blockchain's a solution there, maybe not. But I, I, I digress. Uh, and, and this sort of all comes together. Where I wanted to go today was, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of uh, personal history. So my wife, I, my wife and I have bounced around a little bit uh, in the past few years. We're originally from the Boston area, sort of born and raised there. Went down to the Dallas area. I went to work for an investment banking client of mine in, in North Texas and Dallas. That was my M&A experience. And uh, for those of you that, that know the Dallas area, it, it's changed quite a bit 
over the past number of years, when I first started traveling there in the, the early 2000s, it was largely IT services. Think of like the Ross Perot companies, you know, EDS, and then later Perot Systems. So there was a lot of that type of work that took place down there. Technology, the technology industry was largely an IT services industry in, in North Texas. And today, it's, it's quite a bit different. Uh, there are a fair number of startups, software startups in particular, it's it's not robust like San Francisco. It's not robust like Boston has become, but it is growing, and it will become it will become robust over time. Uh, some of that's a function of uh, technology moving into the cloud, where it's you know incredibly inexpensive today to to develop software product in the cloud. You just host it on on Amazon's platform AWS, and you're off and running. And so I think the movement to the cloud that's taking place in the, since the mid 2000s has had a lot to do with sort of the democratization of technology. Not only has it permeated organizations uh, of all walks, but it, it, it's it's made it easier to to start a technology company pretty much wherever you live. So that, that's what's gone on in, in Dallas. We, we spent a few years there, moved to Northern Virginia. Northern Virginia, similar phenomenon to those of you who may not be familiar with Northern Virginia. But similarly, when I started to travel to Northern Virginia as a banker in the early 2000s, it was largely a defense contractor, government contractor-centric region as far as technology and related services go. And what's happened there is that's become more heavily weighted to software. And that that holds true for DC proper right out through Reston, McLean, Ashburn, Leesburg. Uh, there's a whole host of little technology startups in and around DC. So we parked there for a couple of years and then just very recently moved up to Boston. Again, Boston's undergone a transformation since I left in 2011. It was, it, it always was sort of a distant number two, maybe even a number three <clears throat> behind San Francisco, number one. And perhaps uh, New York City with its robust fintech landscape. Boston's technology landscape lost a lot of luster. I'd say between the early mid 1990s, it was always strong from you know uh, late late 70s through the 80s into the early mid 1990s, and then sort of it lost its luster. Most of the software activity that was taking place in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, even late 08, 09, and 10, all the new stuff was happening in the valley, and it's only more recently that uh, Boston's software startup landscape has has really taken off, and now you have Amazon putting 150,000 square foot footprint in on the front end of south boston ge's moved its corporate headquarters from from connecticut from what fairfield connecticut to boston the new ceo is a a healthcare it guy so i think you know the combination of boston's strong academic uh, school system k-12 high school college universities and then the hospital system it, it would make sense for ge to move there so boston's become very strong in terms of the tech landscape so we're here so long story short Recently migrated all of our uh, business credit card information. In fact, I think I just, we just did it yesterday. Changed zip codes and such to reflect new business addresses and things of this nature. Interesting that on the American Express side, and this happened to me just, just this morning on the way to the gas, at the gas pump rather, we changed card information yesterday and sort of notified by Amex as you're doing that electronically that, hey, these changes may take you know approximately 24 hours to, to register across our various systems of record. And so today at the pump, sure enough, uh, the, the, the pump did not recognize the, the credit card, the, the new zip code. And so it just got me thinking, you know, it probably makes sense to talk about this on the podcast. I know why that's the case. I know why Amex takes 24 hours to process customer 
record changes across their various systems of record. It's because they have various systems of record. It's not just the web front end, but it's all those legacy systems that over time haven't been updated or haven't been replaced. And so I'm in my, my mid-40s. And for me, I felt like, you know, 24 hours is a, is a long, a long time in today's real-time immediate world, you know, where, where Amazon Amazon is delivering physical goods same day. And Amex takes 24 plus or minus hours to process a digital record change. And so, you know, this gets back to my other podcast, episodes 33, 34, when we talked about CEOs and how they should want board members who can offer value-added experience. And, and so... You know, in the case of IBM, who I cited in each podcast as an example, uh, Ken Cheneau, who uh, CEO at Amex, what value is Ken going to add to your board? Maybe he had experience with a PR issue. Maybe he had experience with a customer issue. Maybe he had experience with an HR issue. But if your core business is technology and technology-enabled services, what is he going to tell you? He still has legacy systems from the 70s. He's still got mainframe computers uh, mainframe servers, uh, you know, across the organization. You know, the guts of the company still still powered by C plus plus. And so this is why people get excited by by fintech because they see fat, lazy, large FIs, uh, financial institutions running on legacy technology, where it still takes, let's just say, too long to process simple data changes. And if I, in my mid-40s, find it to be long, what, what, what is somebody who's 30? What is somebody who's 25 years old? I have a number of young nieces and nephews. They're not going to wait 24 hours. You know, in Gen Y, X, Y, Z, Z1, Z2, Z3, when all these new, you know, next-gen folks, when they have the majority of spending power in the country, I'm telling you, you better be a, a nimble organization. You better have the ability to process things in real time. You, you, you better be able to to push information out to the customer, self-service. And so the, sort of the, the theme of the podcast today isn't so much a gripe story. It's, it's more that technology is everywhere, right? So if you're a CEO of a manufacturing company, you know, technology isn't something where you just, uh, it sits on the wall in the form of, a, of a, an electronic punch card. If you're running a, a, a large manufacturing operation, as an example, you, you better be deploying machine learning to figure out how best to optimize workflow, how best to calibrate machinery, you know, any other learnings that may be captured through the algorithms embedded in the machine learning platform. You don't have to go out and write your own machine learning platform. I'm not saying you know, everybody has to write their own stuff. Don't do that. I mean, there's still insurance companies and, and hospitals and others using homegrown systems. Don't do that. Get, go, go get something off the shelf, something that's, that a vendor has created that has embedded best practices. Technology is more than just coming into the office and, and you know, turning your, your desktop or laptop phone on and off. You've got to embed it in your business because otherwise you're going to get disintermediated by or disrupted by an upstart who has from day one built their business on top of technology has infused their business with technology i mean look just as a you know perfect example we talked about this in a, in a separate podcast but look look what amazon is, is doing in the in the grocery business so it's all about driving prime subscriptions and gathering more customer data in this case offline data but they're going to have the benefit of all of you know because for a given customer many of us are both 
uh, or rather all of us who, who use Amazon also buy groceries. So to the extent there's overlap between a Whole Food customer, you know, who's, who's a Whole Food customer, they use Amazon, particularly if they use Amazon Prime, Amazon's going to know pretty much everything about that customer. They're in the automobile retail business in the UK. Uh, they're going to be in the alcohol business, which makes perfect sense. I read one article that said, geez, that's going to be difficult for them. How, how is that going to be difficult? Well, various state regulations. So you just embed those state regulations, which admittedly change over time, but you, you, you bake those business rules into the platform. Amazon's warehouse is ultra sophisticated, leverages machine learning, driven by statistics. It's not a manual pick and pack operation. You, you think they can't handle interstate and in, in, interstate regs? And, and manage that in real time in an automated fashion straight through processing. You're dreaming if, if you think Amazon's not going to be able to handle it. So they're going to massively disrupt that business. And if I'm a mom and pop, you know, I'm quaking in my boots. If I'm Costco, I'm quaking in my boots. Costco's are short. But if, if you're a CEO today, I don't care what business you're in, particularly if you're not a technology vendor, you still have got, have got to make technology the lifeblood of your company. It can't just be people and manual processes in terms of how you go to market, how you, you know, your service delivery system, how you make your product, how you sell your widget. It's got to be people plus technology. Yeah, I don't, I don't care if you're a consultancy and you're selling a service, you're a management consultant. How do you, how do you target the best opportunities? If you're a management consultant, I'm sure many management consultants, you, you guys have a, have a database like I used to have as, as a banker that I would maintain myself in terms of prospects. But then how do you optimize? How do you prioritize? And, and there's a way to do that. And it's, it's blending people and technology. And I say that even to the, the quants that are out there. I mean, bake as much intelligence as you can into your models, but at, until everything that is knowable is capable of being baked into a model and everything that is unknowable is capable of being baked into a model, you're going to need to blend those elements that are truly 100% quantitative with human intelligence in order to have the ability to truly optimize your decision making. So it takes people plus tech. So if you're a, a legacy vendor, let's stick with the MX example. You've got some decisions to make, boy. If you're MX CEO, MX board, because it's just a matter of time, you will be disrupted. You know, there used to be this saying that change comes from below, meaning from new market entrance. And I think in the case of some of these large financial institutions, change is going to come from below, from some small new fintech startups that eat away at the margin, that eat away at various parts of your core business. So if you're Amex, there may be you know, a dozen fintech companies that each address a piece or pieces of your business. And in the aggregate, they're just going to erode your business. Plus, you've got to worry about, you know, like the four horsemen and maybe some others, but the Googles of the world, Amazon, Microsoft, Facebook. You know, these companies have the cash flow and the skill to subsidize massive experiments. And they can make you go away overnight, just like Amazon did with Whole Foods and what they're doing with groceries, with, the, with that industry. So if, if you're Amex, I mean, you've got to not only think about how do I play defense against these upstarts and entrepreneurs and innovators, but how do I stay on offense? So maybe it's, it's moving into adjacent markets. Maybe you have some technology embedded in the company that would make sense to, to spin out. That's one avenue. That's one path, not the only path, but that's you know a path. At some point, they're going to have to get rid of those legacy systems and migrate to a new platform so that things happen in real time. It's going to get awfully expensive to do that. And so do you, if, you're, if you're the board, AMX's board, do you sell the company? Knowing that those changes would take would, would be a massive blow to the P&L. And look, it would just be for a finite period of time. 
but it would make a material dent in profitability for that period of time. And I could just foresee something like that being a disaster. Clearly, MX hasn't stayed on top of its biz, where a lot of its technologies has become long in the tooth. And those type of organizations tend not to really excel when it comes to change. So if they had to drive a massive change management process, even if you do it in phases, they're just not going to excel at that. And I could foresee them bringing in consultants. Let's bring in Accenture at you know X dollars per hour and just getting rolled by Accenture, getting taken to the woodshed. And in the process, probably half the senior management team loses their job, including the CEO. So I could foresee that disaster happening for sure. Maybe they ought to just put themselves in play. Maybe MX ought to run some experiments with certain parts of the business that maybe aren't terribly high profile and see what happens. Whether they're experiments around driving revenue or experiments around cost containment or experiments around more efficient ways to store, parse, and and change data. So I'm kind of thinking about blockchain as, as one. But there's a lot of opportunity. Something tells me they're not spending a lot of time thinking about it at board meetings and at the operational level, but I could be wrong. That's just my, that's my external impression. I don't have any inside information there, so I don't actually know what's going on. I just kind of, it's my read of the tea leaves. See you all next time.